0: Joel to 25 to 26. Joel to 25 to 26. let's see together this is what the lord said and i will restore to you the years that the locals are eating the canker one. The caterpillar, the palmarum, my great army, which I sent among you. 26. And ye shall eat in plenty. I think somebody will say amen. And be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. I pray. Just as God Himself has said. He said, My people. He's not talking about everybody. He said, and my people shall never be ashamed. I pray none of us shall be ashamed in Jesus' mighty name. So by the grace of God, this morning, I bring us a topic. Which is secrets of restoration. Secrets of restoration. In verse 25 of this, God said by himself. He said, and I will restore to you all the years that the locust has eaten. It doesn't matter how many years that the locust has been devouring you. God said he's going to restore all the years and it shall be in Jesus name. But first thing we need to know is that our God is a God that hold the integrity of his word. As God said it, the word of God said, he will do it. I may say it, and by one, maybe by means of constraint, or by anything that I can't foresee, I may not be able to fulfill my promises. But right from the time, God has always been true to his word. And the mercy as far as restoration is concerned, it is the mercy of God that brings restoration. That is, unless you have received mercy, you have no point discussing restoration. Until mercy is being given, then restoration cannot be in view. And when we look into the world, restoration is all. is not a word that just comes to play if nothing has happened. In other words, restoration presupposes that something is missing or a loss at Often, Oftentimes, it is something good or of great value. It can be in spiritual form. It can be physical. But the point I'm trying to lay here is that you don't need restoration. If nothing is missing if nothing is lost and if nothing is stolen you don't need restoration restoration brings us to the point that something is not working the way we expect it to for example and i say also that what is missing is something good and of great value let me use this analysis. Let's assume by, Monday, by tomorrow, which happens to be Monday, you're on your way to work, and all of a sudden, a message comes in, and you check. You see, 50 uh, naira has been deducted, SMS charges. You just ease and continue your journey to work. But let's assume, as you check the phone, the next thing you saw, 250,000 has been deducted as SMS charges. I know instantly your journey has been destabilized because you will need to go to the bank to know what has happened. how many SMS have you sent that were around you charging 250,000? So likewise as a Christian, oftentimes when we look into our lives and things is not working as it should, it calls for an inquiry. It calls for an inquiry. Another point I would like to raise is that restoration, that is what is restoration is all. I said, it is mean, it means replacing back that which is taken, lost or stolen to its rightful position either voluntarily or by force superior than the one that took it. For example, if you happen to be in a school, and let me use secondary school for an example, somebody you are in and somebody in essence take your belonging, maybe your textbook, you have the right. If you ask the person, please, can you give me my book? And the person refused to return it voluntarily, you have the right to go to your class teacher to report. And if she inter- he or she intervenes and is not yet no answer is given, you go to the principal. By the end of it, a superior authority will intervene, and your lost be restored. But one thing we also need to know as a child of, uh, sorry, and to back that up, the scripture says in the book of John ten verse ten, Jesus said, "The thief cometh not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life." and have it more abundantly. What Jesus is saying there is that whatever the devil has stolen, whatever he has steal, whatever he has destroyed, I have come to restore it back. Not only to restore it, but to add addition more abundantly. And it is my prayer. Whatever that has been stolen in our lives, whatever that is lost, or whatever that is missing, the Lord himself will restore and add addition in Jesus' name. But we must know. Just as the opening Bible passage for the opening service of this morning said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord that makes the heavens and the earth. In other words, divine restoration can only come from God. It doesn't matter. You don't use physical force to solve physical problems. Divine restoration can only come from god why because it is only god who have the way to do to reverse the irreversible it is only god who can reverse the irreversible and the good thing of this of it is that if we can only allow god He reverse it in such a way that you will never notice there's a loss before I take the case of Lazarus, for example. Even when all hope was lost, in the book of John 10, verse 38 to 44, when all hope was lost, Martha approached Jesus and said, Master, by now, by now, my brother is thinking. There's no point. Just let him be. And in the resurrection, I believe he will rise then a higher and superior for stepping with just a statement lazarus come forth his life that has already been taken was restored and as a result of that he became a public figure because when you read further that book of john 11 or 12 and there about the bible say people began to call so that they will see Lazarus, who have been risen. Attention even shift from Jesus to Lazarus for the main time. In other words, when God restores all your losses, you become a center of attraction. That's what the children of Israel were saying. In the book of Psalm 126 verse 1. They said, when God turned around the captivity of Zion they well like them that dream, then where our mouth filled with laughter. I pray our mouth will be filled with laughter in Jesus' mighty name. But one of the ironies I've seen in the body of Christ is this. Oftentimes when you see a man or someone passing through one tough time in life, we are always judgmental. We attribute it to sin. You will hear for that man to have been passing through that tough time is a sinner. No, brethren. Oftentimes, it might not be as a result of your sin. You might not even have an idea of what is going on. And how do I know? Let's read the book of Job 2, verse 3. Job 2, verse 3. Job 2, verse 3. Let's see what God said. The Bible said, And the Lord said to Satan, as thou consider my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one who fears God and ensures evil. And still, he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. It didn't mean at times. We may be passing through challenges of life without even being that we sin. You may not sin. It may be, God may have boasted about his ability that he has deposited in you. Because this thing would have not come to play. If God has not asked Satan in the first place, as thou consider my servant Job, and because part of the things that God created, some there are some things that God created that the Bible was silent about. God created actions, He created reactions, and He created consequences. Because God has took an action by boasting about Job. Then, for God to be just, Job must be tested. For God to be just, Job must be tested. It then means that somebody in right standing can still need restoration. You might be faithful, you might be just, and yet things might not still work as you want it to. And I would like to say here that what I would like to say now is that It does not matter the magnitude of the loss, As we see in the life of Job, in a single day, just one day, all he has labored for, all his life was wiped off. Oh, nothing remained. The only thing that was remaining is that God said, but spare his life. Everything was wiped off. His wealth, his health, his children, everything, his prosperity, wiped off. But there's something i pick in the life of job there is that no matter the magnitude of the loss, if you have not lose your joy and your faith and the spirit of god has not departed from your life you have not lose anything i say again it doesn't matter the magnitude of the loss you have experienced if you have not lose your joy if you have not lose your faith And if the Spirit of God is intact in your life, brethren, you have not lost anything. And why do I say so? The Word of God said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That the devil sees you, that's why you don't have money in your purse. That's why you are broke. That's why you don't even have food to eat. You don't have clothes to wear and yet you are still bursting in the law. It drives Satan crazy. It is in this joy of the Lord that we derive our strength. And why I say if you have not even lose your faith, is because it is with your faith. The Bible says you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. You need your faith to win. And why I put that if you have not lose your spirit of God is that nobody ever dares Harass a prince that carry gods in him. Nobody I've never heard even from the Bible days, nobody ever dares to harass a prince that carry gods in and goes scoff free. You don't try it. Let's open the book of jo- uh, Judges 15 14 to 15. Judges 15 14 to 15. technical. Judges 15, 14 to 15. It says, and when he came unto Lay, the Philistines shouted against him. That is Samson. And the spirit of God came mightily upon him. And the call that was upon his hand became as flax that was burnt with fire. And his band was loosed from off his hand. 15. And he found a new jar bone of an ass, and put forth his hand and took it, and slew a thousand therewith. He does not need a pump action. Samson did not require for a pump action. When the Spirit of God is with you, anything you take becomes a weapon of war. Anything. And we can also see that in the life of David. The Bible says he took the stone hands and before you know it, the Philistines fell down. But let's see what happened. In Judges 16, 20 to 21. Judges 16, 20 to 21. And she said, the Philistine, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before, and shake off myself, and he wis not that the Lord has departed from him. 21. But the Philistine took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grand in the prison house. If you compare the two scenarios, you will pick the point. Before the presence of god was heavily upon him and he was doing maltilly but it came at a point in time in his life the bible said even he was boasting as a result of this several victory that god has he said we go out as at the other time i will shake off myself and he knew not that the spirit of god has departed it is a great loss If the spirit of God departs from the life of a man, the man has lost all. Example of it, because life is not living in vacuum. Anywhere there is space, it must be occupied by something. And we must know as a Christian, our life is not living in vacuum. If you create a space in your heart, it's either God fills it or Satan fills it. But I pray, you will not lose your job. We will not lose our faith. And the Spirit of God will not depart from us. And somebody knew this very well. Because it is very possible that somebody is still in church, somebody comes to church every now and then and yet, is not in right standing with God. That you are in church does not mean you are in Christ. But being in Christ is what means the difference. Not being in church. If you like, don't come to church. But just ensure you are in Christ. Psalm 51, 11 to 12. Psalm 51, 11 to 12. After David had an encounter with Besheba and by experience, because he has been with Saul, he has seen what the absence of the Spirit of God in a man can cause a man. David knew, because he has been with Saul, he knew what the absence of the Spirit of God in the life of a man can cost a man then he began to beg god he said cast me not away from your presence and take not the holy spirit from me 12. restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me by thy free spirit for david to have been crying to god for restoration that means he is aware that this joy is not there any longer But he can't wait until the spirit departs he has to start crying likewise as a child of god when we sense that things is not working as it should that is not the time to start complaining that is not the time to start gisting it is a time to start seeking for remedy And the good thing is this. Because we serve a God that is loving. God so loves us that he doesn't even toy with us. And anytime a man do something or does something that moves the heart of God, it either God releases a principle or he reveals a secret. But before we share this secret I'm talking about, and we do some other things with the Lord this day in my heart. I would like to share a good testimony of mine. At the point in time in my life, I come to think of it that I cannot be under do this, do that. Where are you coming? You need to sleep. You need to do that. I'm now. I need to go out and find myself. Then I use the cover up of I've entered school. I explored the world a bit. And in the process of finding myself, I lost my way so bad. I lost my way in the process of finding myself. And the devil really tried. He began to introduce a lot of things. Test this, test that, test this, test that. But there's one thing I discovered. Is that I can't even fit in into the world anymore. But then, the joy is gone. Am I in church? Yes, I do come to church. Regularly, I must confess. Am I pretending? No, sincerely, I'm not. But something is missing. I just come to church. I hear the sermon. Immediately, they share the grace. I don't know the usher standing. I will escape or I'll just go home. Then I get back home. The thing remains the same. I was dying within. I was dying within me. I don't know the way. it seems every promises in the word of God becomes as if it's fake, as if they are just faking this Christianity, I don't even know what to do any longer. It was so bad. And at home, they were thinking, this guy is still standing. Because we come, we do, you know, we have learned the texts of the Christian race, we do devotion, we cover up, we do things, and we return back to school and we begin with the useless life. Not until one day, I stumbled on this secret and I capitalized on it and God proved himself in a way that is beyond my imagination because of our time. Let's open the book of Second Chronicles 7 13 to 14 and let's see the secret. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. 13, not 3. After David has built the temple, he has offered sacrifices unto the Lord, and God appeared to him saying, I have accepted all what you have done, but get this secret right. God said, if I, that is, if God himself if God Himself, He said, if I shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, fourteen, He says, if the people who are called by My name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways then we lie here from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land for every door of the kingdom there are key you cannot use the key of praise to open the door of sacrifice that is what god is saying he said even if it happened that you do something and it get to a point that i get offended and i shut up the heaven first of all don't start running about don't start seeking for who is not humble yourself A lot of us cannot say, I'm sorry. And the word sorry goes a long way. A story that was pathetic in the scripture is the story of a priest, Eli. Despite how far he has walked with God, and God passed him by and revealed a secret to Samuel, and Samuel relates everything to Eli. And Eli said, well, he's God. Let him do what he likes. Instead of going on his knee and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And we see the end of the whole story. So, when I discovered this secret, people think I'm humble. Sincerely speaking, I'm proud. But I know that if I continue in my pride, it, there's a probability for my parent to bury me. Then I bring down myself. I begin to ask for his mercy. But the good news is, the Lord did not only restore; He elevates. And that will bring me to the conclusion of my testimony. When I began to pray and ask him for mercy. All of a sudden, around last year, November to be precise, I was just walking. I wasn't, I'm not praying. I was just walking, busy. And the thought just coming in my heart. Next year, I'm going to restore you. Next year, I'm going to restore you. I share with my people in Sunday school. I used to say, One spirit tells me. All of a sudden, the spirit of God tells me, I am not one spirit, I'm Holy Spirit. He said, There's going to be a restoration. And lo and behold, this year I was just sitting here. Pastor, you can call me. And tell me something. My prayer was not, Father, I want to become, uh, I want to join minister. No, 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 no. My prayer was just that this joy that your word said is in your presence. I want to experience this joy. Please, God, restore this joy. And he relayed some, some things to me. And lo and behold, the Lord did it.